You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Chris Stolle of Breaking the Fourth Wall Podcast, and today I am extra special, uh, extra excited to, to go ahead and sit down and have this conversation uh, because of being a longtime professional wrestling fan and a former uh, independent pro wrestler myself. I, I love having conversations with guys that have been in the business, and I cannot tell you how much I'm excited to talk to the host of the Vicious Circle Podcast, The Man. Sid, Sid, how you doing, Sid? I'm doing great. How you doing tonight, Chris? All right. So, uh, the first thing I'm going to do, since I since I did mention the uh, vicious circle, I definitely want to hear about uh, what what your podcast is, and for for everybody listening in, what what it is, and uh, what your what your stories and and uh, and subject matters in the vicious circle are. Well, the stories and subjects different all the time. That's what we're trying to do with the Vicious Circle is um, get crossover listeners. We don't have just wrestling. Uh, there's a lot of cool things going in the world right now besides just wrestling. So we're having uh, some call-ins from just you know just normal people, and then we're, we're building a few different little uh, in-house characters. Uh, one was called Internet Sid. We think about a guy named Steve Evil on there. Um, and so we're just, you know, we're we're doing that. We're also using it to uh, promote my book. It's going to be called um, Poetry in the Sand. Poetry in the Sand. And uh, your book, is it uh, a biography or is it uh, more of something that you came up with? No, it's, a, it's pretty much a biography, but it's, it's going to be, I'll just leave it this. It's going to be different, a different type of biography that's been done before and differently written about wrestling. Uh, different views, and you probably had a chance to read. So uh, that's what we're trying to do: is get something different and find another crossover audience. Um, we're going to hope this book is somewhat retro, you know, past, present, and future, and um, that's what we're working for. Excellent. Um, without spoiling it, uh, what are what are some of the subject matters you're going to talk about? Like how you got into the business, or some of your favorite locker room stories, things like that. No, that's exactly what we're not going to do. Now, we will get to that. Don't get me wrong. Because um, you know, there's, there's different, definitely a wrestling audience as well there. But um, I'm going to have, I, I couldn't have anything to do in my life that didn't have some of a soundtrack to it. So this book is going to have a built-in soundtrack for people to go down from, from the, probably the first chapter on. Because um, I'll tell you, for instance, I was lucky. <clears throat> Ken Burns, he does documentaries on PBS and does documentaries everywhere. He's really, really great at it. He just did one in eight-part series um, about country music. And, man, that was the greatest musical thing I've ever seen put together in my whole life. Nice. So you're a country when, guy. When we talk about Woodstock, I had a son of mine who uh, almost made it to Woodstock. And that's a pretty, that was a good story one night. Very real um Colorful guy, he's the one helping me write my book, um, and he's one of the funniest guys. He he just he got he wrote a book, his first book uh, called The Shards of Glass. I read it, haven't read his second book, but I actually now I know Barry, so it's easy for me to do this. And actually, I laughed so hard a couple of times I cried, and um, 
So I know Faye is a really good bilingual school for that. And so we're having a lot of fun doing that right now. Excellent. Um, is it gonna is it gonna dive even uh, more into your personal life? Maybe give a look of the uh, of the man behind the uh, the the, the well, gimmicks, this, the characters. This, 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 Chris, Chris, this is the thing I feel about about myself. Okay, is that I had a pretty I had a pretty good, funny, exciting life even from a young kid till the wrestling thing. I didn't get into wrestling as a wrestling fan. I never watched wrestling my whole life. Um, I got into it just for the business to make money. Um, now, being in wrestling, <clears throat> the one thing I'm kind of saying, that, that was because of the wrestling fan. And it was um, little bitty things. That, it was a lot of things I could, I could go on all night. But the moment I was in the ring sometime, you know, I'd have one of the fans argue with me. So they would argue with me so, and finally they were, their heads were exploding. And then they knew it. And they were so mad I let them get like that, you know. But, uh, or the moments where they would be two or three and walk into the car, I don't care where you were, in the snow, whatever, and they'd always be there to tell you something. Even if it was something funny, like one night this girl came up to me and said something, you know, said you suck. And I said, no, yeah, I do. She goes, uh, no, not really. I said, no, I said it, I do. And she handed me this piece of paper. Here's all this. And it's one free visit for, for a doctor to avoid the end. Oh. You know? So it's just that. You know, those are the, um, you know, things about the wrestling life I experienced was those moments like that. You know, those were the things I enjoyed, the interaction with the fans like that. I'm sure we all did that. But um, me being from, and this is what the book would be able to tell about too, is but me being from the country and I'm right here, this one county where my grandparents, where my great-grandparents uh, came from and, um, you know, the so when that, a lot of people ask me sometimes, they go, you know, all the things you've done and people expect you to be this different person. Go, when I talk to you, Sid, they say, you really just sound like a guy who just pretty much down to earth got his feet on the ground. They say, how did you stay like that? And when I saw that documentary the other night, the last episode was called Don't Get Above Your Learning. And what that means is don't let you get too big for your pants or anything like that. It's a country saying here in the South. And I'm sure you guys don't get that. But, and that's simple. And that's what I was raised with my grandparents and my great-grandparents who were sharecroppers. I was pretty much a sharecropper from the minute before I got into wrestling. Um, but again, had worked a hard life like that was satisfying. Um, and then as a kid, I did some really funny things too. Uh, we'll go into them for everybody, but um, I think it's going to be like you know, when I was a kid at one point, was, and I'm not exaggerating, it was like tenfold if you could put Huckleberry Finn and the movie Stand by Me together and multiply that one thousand. That's what my life was like, like a kid. You know, we would take off walking not once, but every weekend, hunting or fishing, you know, from the house, you know, three thirty in the morning, walk twenty miles to Mississippi River and walk back. Kids don't do that anymore. No, they. They really um, don't. And, well, I'm, and this is what I'm saying, too, and, and this is now, that was just, you know, hard, you know, just punk kid, you know, fourth, fifth, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade. You get today, you know, we're riding a bike, see, so you know, as a young kid, too, I did some pretty cool things where I think I soloed an airplane when I was 17 years old, you know, so I was always out ahead of everything, and I'm not saying that in a tough way, 
But I'll never forget the day I soloed. It was, uh, they always say it'll happen to you like this. You go solo and then the, the day you really don't think it's, you know, it's maybe too windy or something. And sure enough, it was. It was raining just a little bit. And I remember my pilot instructor, Jerry Stevens, said, uh, man, you ready? And I couldn't say no. I said, sure, man. And so I took off and probably the only time, maybe a couple times I said this, maybe once initially, um, well, when I was flying above everyone by myself in that airplane, I said to myself, man, I really am looking down on everyone. And that's a heck of an accomplishment for a kid, you know? Right. So, and I've done things like that and then still doing things like that today, you know? So, and I think this book is going to be maybe one of my greatest projects I've ever done. Well, you've definitely had like a long-standing career and I, I, I can't wait to really delve into the the person who became Sid, if I would, but um, I definitely I definitely got to know. Like I have a couple questions I had written down because I, I obviously I'm getting a chance to talk to the man. So you've you've had a long standing career of both uh, being a face and a heel. For those listening, um, good guy, bad guy. Which which persona did you more enjoy? Man, it was always the bad guy, the heel, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I, I, God, sorry. I guess you want to know why. You didn't ask. I'll tell you when. It's because um, I was always just more comfortable with that, too. You know, and I think all my heroes, you know, uh, Eddie Gilbert, you know, was one of my heroes. My first, first time I've what I considered one of the first greatest matches was one of, a match with Eddie. And I tell the story all the time. It was with Jerry Stubbs and Meridian, Mississippi, old, old wrestling town. And um, Jerry Stubbs had a mask. He was called Mr. Olympian. I liked Jerry. He was born. And uh, Eddie was new. No TV time in there at all. He'd come from the Memphis Territory. He did one of those old matches. It was like 45 minutes long. It just... By the end of it, people were going crazy. And the living was a tough time, too. And um, so that, to me, is what I wanted to be able to accomplish. And person really, you know, dictate the matches to heal. You know, so you get to be responsible for that. And that's why, you know, like people like, you know, Rick Flair, you know, considered you know, a great worker. And maybe not really the great worker, but the reason being is because he was to heal. He did dictate. He was real getting in his matches. And, he worked his ass off with everybody he worked with, you know. And so, you know, as a heel, if you worked your ass off like people like Flair, which I consider myself working hard too, that I think he had a better chance of staying over in the business. Um, as a baby face, I, I just always, I'm comfortable being a good guy for very long. It just never see in with me very well. On the times he used to come out to the ring, he used to have a long entrance. Uh, I'm particularly thinking of like the Psycho Sid eras where you would sit there and fist bump with people who, who dug Sid, uh, Psycho Sid, but you would uh, jaw jack a lot of fans. How hard was it when you were doing those, those, uh, those moments to not break character? Because I know sometimes some of the things that the fans will say can really catch you off guard. <laughs> you know, this is the thing is, for almost, I don't have to honestly say this, all my international fans up there was, you know, was real. You know, I wasn't having to make up. Now, when I was, when I came out to the ring, 
you know, be a television match or a house show, stuff like that. I tried to, and I would remember, you know, smart people like Eddie Gilbert tell me this, you know, when you're working in the, in the arena, you're working the person from the front row all the way to the top. And you want to be able to sort of somehow come in contact with all those people. And so you look at those people and, you know, look them in the eye and, you know, fist pump them or, you know, or give them five and move your hands, whatever you're going to do, you know. Um, and then if you're walking out to a television match, you want, for me, I want to utilize every second I can. So I'm going to find that camera when I'm walking out, and I'm going to have an interview to say to that camera until I get to the ring. And if, if uh, possible, and it usually is, during my match, I'm going to pull the camera over to the corner while I'm beating the guy up. You have to, for me, those were the things that separate a lot of the other guys in the wrestling businesses, knowing how to utilize every avenue that you could to get over it. And um, I won't bore you and keep listening, but I try to figure out all those avenues. And, and what you're talking about is something I've figured out. And so you saw that, and that means it worked. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Um, the one, one of the things that you mentioned about being uh – for, for lack of a better term here, a, a in-ring general, knowing knowing your positions, knowing how to work the crowd, how to utilize everything that's around the area, it, it definitely it definitely comes into the uh, to the fact for for somebody who who may not have grown up a, a pro wrestling fan, you really did show that you were a student of the game, and as such, have you kept up since uh, since no longer uh, working the WWF WWE now? Uh, seeing the, the, the newer generations and how do you feel about how, how their work ethic compared to how yours and, and guys like you were back in the uh, 80s and 90s? Well, I don't... This is... The, the usual word called work rate, which is so stupid. This is the thing is, I think the guys today, uh, not to change the subject, I think the guys today are better polished than they were back in my era. Um, meaning that they're oh, out of 10 guys you know, maybe 10 guys can all do great interviews and 10 guys all know, um, mechanic, not mechanically so much. They, they knew all the moves and they, they knew all these high spots and they could do them really smooth, but they're not a lot of them are using them and putting them together with what the old word was psychology. And maybe it doesn't need to be needed anymore. You know, I was, um, I was, I've been really knocking this new style of the business. And then I saw something somewhere, about wrestling in Japan, there's a, there's a real story. I think it was in Viceland. We're talking about how these storylines are, and it's a, I thought for a second, man, that was just like, you know, the WWE now. And I said, okay, well, maybe if that's the direction the business is going in, they're there too. You know what I mean? Right. Um, you never want to say, for instance, I would never myself ever uh, be in this business and think, okay, I'm going to be like concrete, and I'm not going to change with it. You know what I mean? I heard Emily's hair say something. In that documentary, she said something, you know, like every time you step in the river, that river is different. And we want it to be different. You know, just like our music, we want it to be different. Wrestling, we want it to be different, too. We want, we want it to be different in a good way. You know, um, we might not see so many negative things. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, but it is, it, I like it. It's just need to be, you know, I don't know. Maybe, say this, I use this uh, analogy. That what they're asking all the guys to do is say, okay, everybody get on this line. I want all you to race up to that line up there. I want all you to stop at the same spot. Well, 
they would have done that to me like that, I would have never got to be Sid Vicious or Psycho Sid um, Sid Justice. I would have never, you know, been able to really get myself over because I wasn't reined back. I was able, I think, really make a difference when these guys aren't making that. Not just myself. There were a lot of guys make those difference. You know, The Rock and uh, Hogan and you know um, Scott Hall and on and on and on. Um, but a lot of people made that difference. But I don't see them making it now. You know, it um, looks like they're all writing back to me. That was that was something uh, I felt as well, and I, I've always tried to keep quiet about it because you know, being an indep- independent wrestler at best. I didn't feel like I had the right to criticize those that obviously made it beyond what I could do <laughs> or had the ability to do. But I, I feel like there's a right. loss of something something special to the business with with the new era. Um, I don't know if it's the loss of kayfabe and, and everybody looking at it as just entertainment, you know, as opposed to your day where you fought tooth and nail to make everything as, as believable as we could. And anybody who ever questioned it took a good smack in the mouth for, for questioning it. Um, I don't know if it's that, I don't know if it's the fact that I think a lot of the guys nowadays aren't the larger than life characters, if that makes sense. Like, I don't think, uh, well, no, you, 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 I think on the market that larger than life now, you're wrong about one thing. When I came into the business, that's when the business had quit kayfabe. You know, man, just a few months in the business, and then I remember picking up the first wrestling magazine, seeing the pictures of two WWF guys writing together. And they weren't kayfabe, and this when Vince went on trial to, to told everybody that it wasn't a work, it wasn't work, and it was fake. That way, he could get out, away from those commissions. So, see, I was in the end where it has changed. You know, and I saw it too. What you're saying, it worked for the good. Um, well, I, I was—I didn't want to be one of those people who want to argue with you in the parking lot about it's real, you know? Right. But, but this is just the way I went about it too. Like, I mean, this is something I deal with all the wrestling fans. They go, "See, you know what's funny?" And I go, "Yeah, it is." And they go, "No, but that one time." I said, "No, not even that one time. Trust me, I'm in this business. It's safe." No, see, you didn't know. You know that one time it was real. I said, "No, I, you just said, I just said, no, it was." They don't want to know it's fake, a real, it's fake. You know what I mean? Right. Wrestling fans don't want to know that. Uh, where you know you got parodies on South Park, you know, um, talk about wrestling. And, you know, Carter was a Vietnamese prostitute that had seventeen abortions. You know, so those are the storylines that they've almost, almost had on their, their storylines right now. You know, so it's not that far from that. That's that's true. I'm. I'm... To me. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I don't want to go into it, just drag people through the mud. But oh. I'm not, that's 100% fact. That's not, everything I just said is not made up. So that's where it is. Now, to me, where it is right now, it's not even good. Uh, not that it couldn't get better. You know, and I think, um, you know, I'm sure you've heard. If not, um, you will. There's a new company coming up, you know, go head on against them. And that'll make everyone you know, tighten up a little bit. And I think what we'll do too, and I've seen that happen when, um, you know, both territories were really doing real well. Then all the smaller territories and the little independent places started doing well too. And it would be good to see that because I want to see every guy out there have a chance to work as often as they want to. Not that, you know, you're, not everyone's going to get rich, you know, save money. 
but you know you can make a living. Um, I wish it could go back like the old days before, right before I broke in when there were small territories. You know, nobody made any money in that situation, but they were able to, you know, go to territory, send you know, the, you know, pay their rent at home with their family, and then you know when they got done, go back home. You know, right. I, I definitely know that I've I've traveled from uh, Philadelphia to to Colorado and from New York to to Florida. I mean that that's the extent of my reach. But wow, it, you know it it was uh, it was fun going to new territories, but knowing that I can go home, you know, well, working new crowds, I didn't well. know who I was. <laughs> that, that to me, you know, you know, when I first started the business, I was in a small territory. I can't remember this is. I never really thought of that, but it was a different crowd every night you went somewhere, you know. It really was. I remember having my first territory continental, my first full-time territory, and that was uh, that was living the dream, dude. You know, working full-time, sending money home, paying your home payment, paying the house payment, and then be able to pay for your own rent there, and then just barely get by, you know. Right. But you're 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 getting by, you know, paying you you know insurance. I mean, I was, um, and those were the good days. You know, you're still making, saving a little money, you know, trying to get to the next place. That I wouldn't know. I, again, with the independent circuits, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. I was lucky if I got a hot lunch and yeah. uh, bus fare. <laughs> Sometimes well, when I first when I first started, just like the independent circle, I remember it was uh, if you weren't booked, you got a hamburger. And if you were booked, you got, I got $25 in a couple of hamburgers. <laughs> in Malden, Missouri, a brother named Henry Rogers, I won't ever forget that. Hopefully I won't. Um, that was the first territory I ever worked in. Really, you say the first independent place like you're talking about. And I forgot, I forgot my first payoff, 25 bucks. And I tell everybody your story. Again, I said I didn't get in this business because I left the bank. I didn't try to make money. So, you know, when I went there, I didn't go there for $25 or free hamburger. I went there to get experience. So me and a friend of mine, if I rode with someone, we'd do a tag match and we'd do the best out of three and go three falls. And then I would work the singles and do the best out of three, three falls. So that means I would work six times a night. And the promoters loved that. And I didn't care. You know, I just was there to get minutes under my belt. Right. You know, just to, same as same same as aviation. That's what aviation taught me. That you know, you're not going to take off on your own until you get enough minutes on your logbook. You know, so that's what I was doing. I was logging minutes. You know, and I was going to I was going to make me a touchdown somewhere on a takeoff. And that's what I did when I signed with WCW. And I took off to. Do you miss the old Monday Night Wars, uh, WCW, WWF, uh, the up and coming ECW at the time? Really could be I argued uh, maybe the the real heyday of of pro wrestling, like we were talking yes, about. Be, now, like, just, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, you cut out. Just you cut out again. What you said now? I, oh, if I did I like the Monday Night Wars. Do you miss the Monday Night Wars where where there was uh, like like we we, we were talking about? We were in the middle of. Them. I was in the middle of them, and I really I, you know you know. <laughs> and um, we were getting beat in the wars, but we were outdrawing them in the house shows 100 to 200 to 1 sometimes. And so um, then when I got to, 
you know, WCW, we were winning the, the rating wars, but we weren't really doing great in the house shows. So, but the, the two companies are different. One depended on the house shows, and WCW was a television company. But um, you know what? Honestly, being in those wars, I, 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 again, I wasn't looking at that. I was just looking at, you know, work, the, you know, get my check, work and get my check. I wasn't worried about the wars or, you know, there's nothing I could do about the wars, you know? Right. It's just, you know, I'm not being a jerk about this, but I, and I tell people this, I think they think I'm joking sometimes. I never looked at a booking sheet. I didn't know who I was working with or really where I was going. You know, I, you know, I'd meet up some guys and ride with them or I'd ride by myself. I'd you know, see where I was going. But I didn't care about that. I was just, you know, I got that show, got it over with, got to back to my room and back to the gym the next day. And started all over everything again, you know. Absolutely. Um, well, we we can't we can't talk about uh, WCW, WWE, or or anything without really. I mean, I, I want to pick your brain here for a minute. Uh, and before I go into things that that I want to ask about, like your favorite matches, your favorite opponents, or or least favorite, or anything like that. The biggest thing I want to ask the man is for any aspiring worker out there who maybe is getting ready to start training or maybe just broken into business and it's still as green as the grass is, uh, you know, on the front lawn. But uh, what advice would you give them? Man, I would, I would, um, I just want to say do like I did somewhat. Um, somewhat, don't um, do everything I did. But I would, you know, I would try to look at all facets of the business and, you know, We'll all go to the easiest one to do, and that's stay in basically, you know, look fit, be in the best shape you can. That's just going to make you a better person in the ring. You look like, I'll give you a, my, a, a example, people, people like Dolph Ziggler or whatever. He's a, he looks like the, you know, the talent back a little bit about before his day right now. He's got great cardio, he's got a you know, great shape, and he can go, and I think that's what keeps him in a, in a good spot there when I see him on there. He's really good be in a decent spot because he's a hard worker you know that's how you you know do everything you know get in the best shape you can you know get to be where you can do the best wrestling you can um have the broadest vision uh, when it comes to the psychology of the business you know don't get locked into one thing you know try to pick on pick up on every style that's going on incorporate it you know sometimes you have to give things um, to keep your vision broad and just work hard. That's what I do. And you know, don't worry, don't think about anything right now. But you know, getting to the finish line with your nose clean and, and um, you know healthy, and then that's when you you know, done the best job you could have done. Remember that, guys, because because uh, if, if you don't if you don't take the advice, I, I know a man who could come and power bomb you to like next month um speaking of power bombing in the next month you know i've got to ask some of your favorite matches who who were who were the guys you jumped in with that you just it's stuck in your mind even to this day well i'm not going to why so much out two matches one where where i worked a well let's see we were overseas we worked a few times here in the States. It's me and Bam Bam Bigelow. 
um, where this is was one of the defining moments that I, it, everyone couldn't have argued at this point that I was a pretty good worker. You know, Bam Bam was one of probably, in my opinion, one of the greatest workers there was for psychology. He could do every physical move a small guy could do. He could do it better. Um, just one of the smoothest transitions. You know, everything he did was smooth. When he, never seen anybody do a headbutt that big off the mat, uh, you know, from the top ring. Just a smooth, smooth, smooth. And in psychology where he knew whatever town he was in, he knew what to do to make a change. Just wouldn't nobody eat better. Now, as far as one of the defining matches in my life and a group of matches I had was with Vader. Uh, and what both of those guys had in common was with a lot of guys that I had I enjoyed working with as well, other than those, those two guys, were they all were workhorses. You know, they wanted to work hard. They wanted to have the best match of the night. And uh, that's why I enjoyed working with those two guys. All right. Well, we uh, obviously we can't talk about the uh, the most fun or, or best matches without taking a look at some of the ones that you wish you could forget. Well, one of them reminded by my co-host, Hey Rob Bellamy, up at uh, Chatham, Canada. Did his podcast today. It's called oh, Movie Madhouse. And they talk about movies and stuff. Um, but he said it was the one, I, and it was. It was the one I had with uh, with uh, Adam Bomb, but he wasn't called that. It's called something else. Oh, I, I think I remember what you're talking about. I can't think of that gimmick, though. Uh, no, it had like a he was, oh God, it was almost like a Thor gimmick. But um, he was with Ox Baker. And the reason he was there because Ox was a friend of Ole's. And actually, that match was set up to be a failure because Ole was being fired after that. And he, he wanted to make a mess of my characters. You know, that was one of the characters he thought, you know, about them. I don't know. Anyway, um, that was one of the worst matches with, with me and um, Adam Bomb. And it was a bomb. <laughs> now, have, have you had pre, uh, previous matches, even in house shows, with with uh, Adam, where you know it would have been a better match, and it was just like you said? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. I like Adam. I like Adam, man. You know, not that I am, um, you know, Vader or Bam Bam Bigelow, but uh, Adam Bomb was just horrible. <laughs> um, a good guy, hard worker, did all the other things right. Loved working with him, loved hanging out with you know with me and him, and not so much a lot, but you know me and him and Carl Willett were all good friends, and we hang out, ride together a little bit. But um, you know, you know, we just we just had two different types of wrestling styles, I guess. But no, he we couldn't have a good match or anything. Ah, uh, that's a shame. All right. Well, the the one of the final things that I definitely want to want to want to hit you with, uh, Sid, one more time. But before we do, um, thank you so much. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Um, I I can't even speak the words of, of being able to. And, and you know, I'm not marking out because I've worked in the business, but I I, I can envision. You know, a thirteen-year-old me just jumping at the chance. Oh my God, I'm talking to Sid. You know, so I, I thoroughly appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate you having me, have me and I want everyone to listen to the Vicious Circle. Um, and 
know, give us, a, you know, check out Vicious Circle Facebook and, you know, ask some questions and we'll give you, we'll give everybody a shout out on Vicious Circle one night. Now, see, I didn't even have to ask the final question. You already promoted it. <laughs> just, he's on top of it. Absolutely. And guys, uh, what's your what's your next upcoming show? Do you know the topic? I have a well. See, uh, I have an autograph signing coming up on the twentieth this this month in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, there you go. Salem. I got one in Philadelphia, and I got one in New York. And then uh, the guy I'm working with in Winston is a friend of mine named Thomas Unger. He's been driving me crazy to get a video of you know sent to him. I just hadn't had time. So Thomas, if you're listening to me, I'm gonna get that video to you. <laughs> well, when you come when you come to Philadelphia, let me know. I'll go have go have a beer with you. <laughs> now, we're going to be in Philly. Uh, me and Doug Gilbert going to be in Philly November twenty first, twenty second, twenty third. Get back with me. I'll let you know. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thank you very right. much for hanging out with us at uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, Sid, hold on one second for me. Let, me. let me go ahead and just let everybody know to uh, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button, like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts of Realm of the Mist Entertainment right here on the YouTube channel or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. And I will link in the description below uh, the link to the Vicious Circle podcast. So that way you guys can just click on this video, go down in the description, click the link, and check out Sid at his best. Sid, any parting words you'd like to throw out there? Well, I just like for anybody. I like for everyone, if they can, to, to listen to the Vicious Circle, uh, give us some feedback. Um, looking forward to looking to some. You know, we've had some really good comments, and you know, people want it to be a little longer. We're working on that. We don't want to become boring. So, um, just listen, waiting for some feedback. You know, from the Facebook page, you know, Vicious Circle, and um, getting ready to try to get some of this book done. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to that too. Let me know. Let me know when that's getting ready to come out. I would love to read it. Right now, quite honestly, as as the we get it done, well, good. As soon as we get it done, we'll come back on about the book. Oh, absolutely, you are more than welcome anytime you'd like to come on, uh, <laughs> including not just this show. We have plenty of other podcasts. So if you, you said you'd like to talk about movies. You know, we've got uh, Realm of the Mist podcast, which is all pop culture. You know, if you're a Star Wars fan, we got a Star Wars podcast. Um. You know, you can you can check all that out, and you're more than welcome in any of those. You don't have it, it doesn't have to just be the uh, the pro wrestling side of things. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I do. I'll get my I'll get my producer Rob um, to look up and see which one because he does the one called a movie madhouse. We did it tonight, so he might find something we might want to do together or something. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Well, Sid, thank you very, again very much, and guys, we will catch you on the next breaking the fourth wall. Have a good night.